Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing. This is the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson, and this is our 15th episode, and our guest this week is Maddie Smith, the head writer of Dimitri Martin's Our Fascinating Planet and creator of the just-released Go90 series Tales of Titans. He's done a lot of different things, so it was a really interesting conversation. So here's Maddie Smith. coming on the show oh thank you for having me uh where are you from originally originally i am from phoenix arizona okay yeah uh were you doing any like comedy stuff when you're growing up um are you like into comedy i guess i wouldn't say it. no i wasn't one of those kids who kind of grew up a comedy fan like i definitely okay. didn't know who the state was when i was until mm-hmm. after college that sort of stuff um i did like kind of working on my own movies and stuff like that um you know like as a kid i got my like parents camcorder and would like make stupid little movies and stuff like that um my cousins and i would get would get together and make like samurai movies where we'd like you know spit ketchup out and stuff like that um and then i did a lot of like theater in high school Um, okay yeah so um so yeah nothing like super comedy oriented but it would be like like i played like teddy roosevelt in arsenic and old lace like that sort of stuff um so i always like theater and things like that um but yeah but no, no nothing comedy um really uh, until after college, really. Were, were you like watching any uh, shows, like as a kid um, that you really liked? Hmm. I mean, I always loved cartoons. Uh-huh. I love. I mean, I still kind of love cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm trying to think if there's anything like nothing like out of the ordinary, um, or nothing like crazy or anything like mm-hmm. that. But you know, like I think any kid my age watched like Friends and like you okay. know Thursday Night on Must See TV yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And every now and then we'd stay up late and watch Saturday Night Live when I was a kid and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much kind of like the range. And then like my parents, I'm trying to think of any way to categorize my parents' senses of humor and the movie Inner Space comes to mind, if you know Inner Space. Inner Space. It's uh, Martin Short and uh, Dennis Quaid. Okay. And Dennis Quaid is a pilot of like an experimental program where he like pilots a little small ship and gets... And gets miniaturized and injected into Martin Short's body. Oh, okay. There's a little man in Martin Short's body. And it's, so it's like kind of like the high concept ADZ type of things like that. Right. And I think that's like what my parents kind of liked and showed us. So that's sort of where okay. like my sensibility came from. I guess that kind of silly yeah. high concept genre-y sort of thing. That's a fu- of I mean, that's a fun th- thing to be seen, you know? Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, I think it's good. No, I'm glad. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. I don't talk about inner space with many people so i'm curious of how well known that movie is um but uh yeah like that sort of stuff and like mm-hmm. beetlejuice things okay. like that for yeah, some yeah. reason i think feels like my childhood in movies so it kind of seems you were more of like the you're more into it like as a filmmaker more than like yeah i guess so yeah i, I yeah i don't think i yeah even through college you know i like i liked arrested development and things mm-hmm. like that um but i never quite had the angle I don't think I, growing up, I didn't, I was in the right communities to see like a comedian as like a mm-hmm. job sort of, you know? Right. Um, I didn't see that like as, you know, something you do until, you know, even, you know, I did like creative writing in college and then I came out to LA because um, I wanted to write for TV. And even then I was like, oh, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, wanna, I wrote like a uh-huh. supernatural spec script. It was like the first uh-huh. thing I ever wrote and it was horrible. Um, but then it was kind of, then I came to uh, UCB, um, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, and that's kind of where I got kind of introduced to the world where there are comedians, mm-hmm. um, you know, experimenting and practicing and finding these voices and doing all that stuff. Um, so I kind of was a late bloomer, I guess, okay. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so where did you go to college? Um, I went to Stanford. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And I was originally looking at uh, mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, I bounced around between like weird majors and stuff like that kind of my first couple of years, um, like uh, biology. Um, I went into two, I went into also, um, and I eventually ended up doing a lot of creative writing. And then like my majors were art history and uh, American studies were kind of my two majors. Why'd you settle on, on those two? Um, it kind of, I don't know. They were the two that like excited me the most, yeah, I guess, yeah. you know, like I was good at math going in. So I was like, oh, I should do math, I guess. Um, but it was kind of boring. And then, um, yeah, I guess I just kind of like around sophomore, junior year, like came into like art history 
um, and just really got along well with the professors there. And it was just kind of like interesting stuff to explore and kind of different concepts that would be on, you know, like I, I came in being like, oh, I'll take classes and learn about like impressionism because it looks pretty. Um, I ended up, uh, my focus ended up being Asian art um, just because I thought there was really cool things going on in terms of like uh, like storytelling and these large Japanese paintings and stuff like that. And there's like a lot to, to mine there. And it just kind of was exciting and interesting to me. Um, and then uh, American studies came from basically liking history, but being a little more interested in like the cultural side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of has had a great influence in terms of my comedy writing, just in terms of like what you study are these like um, cultural movements. And so like a comedy is just a major part of American cultural history, I guess, like from the beginning and just the way it like has influenced the way people talk and treat each other and address social change and everything. Um, I think in the, you know, more recently it's become more, of more clear how comedy is relates to things like politics. Right. Um, but I think that's kind of always been there. And so I think there's the roots of something in that, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I can define well, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's somewhere in there. And so you're still not doing really any comedy stuff at this point. You're still just uh, going to classes and whatnot. Um, no, the one thing I guess, like well, I was in an acapella group, okay, which, nice. uh, <laughs> um was fun mm-hmm. um and like it would be i would do things i guess this is like the main way i would do comedy at that point would be like we'd have a sh- like a big spring show or a big winter show and we'd do sketches in the middle of them of your acapella we'd make your... videos yeah okay um like we'd come out we'd sing you know brown eyed girl and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then we'd and then we'd go back off stage to whatever drink water and then we'd play like a video or something mm-hmm. and those would be like comedy sketches um i didn't really think of them as that but i would I think I naturally became the person who would like write and direct or like at least take some sort of lead on those. Um, and so kind of, you know, just oh, subconsciously or whatever, like that was what I gravitated to. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I was doing. And I also did end up in the, um, the Stanford improvisers, which was the oh, um, okay. improvising group there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did comedy through that. So I kind of had like, I'd done some improv mm-hmm. um, at that point. Um, and were you guys doing like long form improv or no, yeah. It was very um, whose line is it anyway type right, stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, like I'm a burrito at a cocktail party. Don't say I'm a burrito. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's kind of like the roots in there, but I think it's, I think it's just you know I think you can, you can come from a background where doing comedy is a realistic idea, or you can come from more where I did, which is where I didn't know that was a thing people even did or thought about, mm-hmm. like think, thinking of going into comedy. Um, just was a foreign concept to me right. until that point. Yeah. So what made you decide to move out to LA after you graduated? Um, it was really just Buffy the Vampire Slayer, almost in the most simple terms. Oh, um, wow. okay. I mean, just like TV writing in general. Oh, okay. Um, but I, yeah, cause I'd done like creative writing and I'd done um, a lot of like short stories in, in college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do enjoy reading short stories much more than writing them. Um, but just somewhere kind of in there, I think it was, you know, through, I mean, not just Buffy, but I just always go to it as like the big one that was like you could see the writer's effect on it, um, and just the the what a TV does in terms of following a character and developing over time. Um, it includes humor, obviously, but just the way you can tell a story there, like a, a TV appealed to me, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and so that's really what brought me to to LA, just the idea of wanting to write for TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you know of uh, the UCB theater before? I mainly knew them through the sketch show. Right. Like I knew, and I, and at that point I hadn't watched it. I just knew it was like the UCB show was like the show, the kind of weird kids in my sixth grade class or whatever it was like to that. Like I didn't watch cause it was like, seemed a little off for me. Like yeah. I you know, not like I just hadn't seen it. It was just this weird thing that existed. So that was mainly how I knew them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, obviously I kind of knew like Amy Poehler, I kind of knew. And then like Matt Walsh and Besser and stuff. I knew, you know, kind of as these, people that showed up in things sort of because um, I was always a big fan of just movies and mm-hmm. stuff in general. Um, but yeah, but it really wasn't until I got here that I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And so how, how did you do, like discover it? Or... Um, really? I just, I basically signed up, I signed up for classes at all the theaters. Oh, um, okay. yeah, I did, you know, I did groundlings and I did, um, IO, um, and I did UCB. Um, and yeah, I think UCB was just the sensibility that, that appealed most mm-hmm. to me, especially. And I think, more because i'm like i am more of a writer and i think i always was more of a writer but um you know like at, at a you know groundlings not that there isn't you know great writing people going through groundlings but it's more of a character focus and performance focus 
Um, and UCB felt like the one that was really like, like I was like talking out ideas on stage mm -hmm. that I could then take and, and put into my writing. Mm -hmm. So when you just, did you decide to take improv classes because of your experience at college doing improv? I don't, hmm. I almost don't even know. It's yeah. like, it's, I'm trying to think back on exactly what the impetus was, okay. but it was like kind of just a way to get involved. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, you yeah. know, like, yeah, like I, it was also cause I, I came to LA just not knowing anybody. Right. Um, and it was like, what are you, what do you do here? Um, and so I did, I did a writing class first at UCB mm -hmm. too. Um, so I think that was like, it was there that I was like, oh, people are also doing these improv classes and stuff. So, you know, signed up for that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think I ever was like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like improv is just, is like a fun thing. And I did enjoy it in college. And it was like a good way to kind of meet people. So there were a lot of like social aspects of it too. Mm -hmm. uh, who were your teachers? Uh, my teachers. My first teachers, um, I, did an, I did an improv uh I used to be, they have those like intensives that are like two uh -huh. weeks or whatever. And it was an intensive with Billy Merritt oh, and okay. uh, Joel Spence. Oh, wow. Um, and they were great. Mm -hmm. um, they were great. They're very, two guys with different personalities. Um, um, Billy, especially, was like the first teacher we had. And I think he was great for me for some reason in particular, I think, because he was very much like just fucking with us at a certain point. Like okay. just me almost like messing around, like seeing what's going to be funny or whatever. And uh -huh. it kind of had like a loose attitude about it um, that I think was a good attitude to have going into improv uh -huh. like just like let's see what happens let's see what sticks uh -huh. yeah. i mean neil campbell was my first um sketch writing teacher okay um and he's great and he was again like one of the probably a great like a, one of the best people i could have as a sketch teacher because uh -huh. very much he was very good he's a very funny guy but also uh -huh. just very good at like clearly communicating what you need to do you know without right. any sort of without being too strict about it because i think that's a danger with any kind of school system of like being forced to follow the rules versus like pay attention to the rules and then write something that you actually think is funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you were on the mod team up, 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 up. Yeah. yeah. How, how was that? Um, was it was really fun. It was great. Um, again, like I think I've been fortunate to work with a lot of people I like a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's what a place like UCB is great for is that you get experience doing, you know, just both, you're writing for this for a show that actually happens every month. You see it happen. You're writing for these actors you get to know, um, and just getting like the practice done. But you're also getting like experience in a writer's room, mm -hmm. um, and just you know kind of practicing the craft. And there's also, I think it's that's a nice environment. And I think it's good to find that sort of environment early on because also, you could fail. Like I could write a really really horrible sketch that mm -hmm. bombed and was awful and hated and then the next month it was gone and we could never talk about it yeah. again and that's kind of a nice um risk to be able to take i guess how often would you say you'd write like a sketch that bombed oh man <laughs> um i don't know fairly all i don't know it's yeah. it's it's like well, you know like i it's, it's hard to think about like um hmm you, uh, what do you think makes a sketch bomb generally you know i it kind of just depends on different things. Yeah. I think I sometimes, especially with those with those sorts of like sketch shows, it's like all of like kind of a funny idea that's like this probably is not sustainable for three minutes. Like mm -hmm. it's right, it's like a funny initial idea or something like that, mm -hmm. and then it kind of just becomes of like okay, let's just jump into this and like hit it hard, and then just commit to it and see if it if it hits or not. And sometimes that actually ends up going well, uh -huh. um, and sometimes it 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 doesn't. But um. Yeah, I think it, it depends. I mean, also, there's also the whole aspect of comedy in that. Like, you never you never know. Like, right. some of the sketches, I'm like, oh, this is great. And you're super psyched about it. And then they, they hate it. Or, like, the stupid thing that, like, one of the other writers. Every now and then, um, especially uh, two of the other guys, I think both of them have been in your podcast, uh, Evan Susser and Jack Allison. Oh, yeah. Um, both were on the team. And every now and then, we would get together, like, an hour before our our meeting or, like, half an hour even. And we'd just, like, throw together a sketch that was like oh, wow. just on the fly. It's almost like as if we like improvised it to the page, like just writing it in that kind of super fast environment to kind of see what would happen. And it didn't always work, but then sometimes like something just really fun that we really liked would come out of it. Um, so would you guys work together a lot on that team? Um, yeah, I think so. I think as time went on, we kind of worked together more and more. It's almost like you get to know, get to know each other. Um, just it's usually like i don't know yeah i think i think it was like most of our sketches yeah would be individually written mm -hmm. but um 
but just I think yeah sometimes the best sort of stuff would just come out of yeah sitting together and like spitballing and then because I think that's how you get from like maybe and this is maybe like the bad sketches I have are like that initial idea that's like oh I think there's something funny there and then like you pitch it and if you're sitting in that room with a couple other funny people maybe they have a little tweak that's like oh that's actually better and that actually can go somewhere or they'll see like the next step that you didn't necessarily see because your mind's so just dug into that first right. core idea that you just see it as this one joke when right. it could be some other things. Uh, was was there a certain point where you felt like you were like really good at sketch? Like you like uh, you felt like you got like a lot better. Um, I don't know. I I do think there was an improvement. Yes, I guess I'd say. I don't know if I ever felt like I was a master of sketch. Uh -huh. I, it, it's it's yeah. Probably I I would say after. In my head, I think, like, after a year or so of doing shows consistently, I think there was a point where there was at least sort of, like, a break, like, this moment where it kind of clicks in your head. Not that it's, like, becomes easy, but, like, you kind of get better at, like, seeing the, like, patterns mm -hmm. and the structure and naturally knowing what kind of joke will play off of this or that, you know, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's, like, that point, you know, and then, and then beyond, and then, you know, and, like so that's kind of the hurdle i think in my head to get over and then at that point a lot of it's just like what did you see or read that week that's influencing your your mind you know like some weeks you'll get you'll see something you think is super funny or you'll see something and something you wouldn't have expected and then other weeks you're like i don't even know what happened this week to to play off of uh, and later you directed the sketch team the get-go right yes yeah yeah uh so how is that what does the director do on mod night Exactly. Um, yeah, the way directors basically for mod, um, they kind of do two perform two functions basically. One, they actually direct the sketch show, um, and I think with all things kind of in the UCB, it's kind of it's a little ambiguous to what extent they can direct or not direct. Um, I think like. I think I would I would probably say like in terms of our relationship I don't even know I'm like it's like probably an eighty twenty relationship in terms of like I would direct the majority of like a sketch and kind of try to get it like laid out but then I would want the person who wrote it to have an influence on uh, it okay um, and I think that kind of came from my experience was um we had this guy Nick Weiger was our director or of the up 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 originally and he kind of had that sort of thing where like it's this the whole pro program is there to help you kind of learn and get experience with everything so I think it's important to have that sort of collaboration and even on like you know, TV shows and stuff like that. It's nice to have the writer have some input um, into the, the the final product. Um, so we direct the show. Um, yeah, kind of like coordinate it. Um, I, I would have the, you know, the writers, I would get their input on what sketches would be in the show um, in terms of like I'd have them vote and give their preferences, but I would then ultimately take their preferences and kind of just choose the show. Um, mm. Sometimes I would go... I would, you know, agree fully and kind of go exactly by them. Sometimes I would kind of switch out a few things if it didn't seem like it worked as like a full show or if it was too many, too many, whatever, blackouts, too many sketches that were pretty dark or whatever, that sort of stuff. And try to like, I guess to that and see the, the macro view of it, like the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other part of it um, is kind of running the writing room um, where basically, you know, you meet with the mod team weekly um, and they bring sketches and you just give notes and it's, you know, kind of like a very open collaborative process where, you know, you don't, I, in my head, the, uh, ideal like mod director or like a sketch team director who's in that sort of role, isn't totally telling people what to write, but like just trying to guide it in like a certain direction and help them find what they think is funny about the sketch. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So if that gives like a full, yeah. Full picture of that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what did you learn? Like, did you learn anything about sketch from directing it more, focusing on that instead of writing it? Um, I think I think when you're in that position, the nice, the benefit of it, and the thing you can learn from is you get, you have this like objective view, sort of. Right. Like you're just, you want the show to be good, but you're completely removed from that script or like that actor who wants to do this and wants to this part, yada yada yada. So. I do think there is kind of, you kind of learn to look at the bigger picture and see things, I guess, kind of how they relate to each other in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that helps in terms of like a sketch show, because I do think that's something that gets missed a lot, or not all the time, but sometimes can be missed a lot, is that a sketch show 
needs like something cohesive to it. Like it needs to be, it can't just be six random sketches in a, in a row. Like that's just, it could be good. They could all be great sketches and it could be a funny show, but if you can find some sort of through line or if you can find a way to like relate sketches to the, each other, you know, sometimes we would have like a runner throughout. Sometimes we'd have like sketches like blend into the other ones. Then they're just, there's an added layer there that goes beyond just trying to find the funniest joke or beat for each moment. Uh, so you later became a writer at Funny or Die. Uh, how, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so I started working at Funny or Die because I was writing for um, this talk show, uh, What's Going On with Mike oh, Mitchell. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah which you, I know you've had a couple guys on mm-hmm. who, who wrote for that. Um, yeah. Basically, I was a writer for that talk show um, where one of our really funny performers, friends, Mike Mitchell, who's on Love Season 2 just came out. Um, oh, he's so good on it, too. He's great. Yeah. He's really, really funny yeah. on it. Um, yeah, basically like Mitch wouldn't know what's going on. We wrote bits for this talk show host who didn't know who the guests were going to be the bits. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so basically funnier die came on to produce that show, um, and eventually produced a pilot for FX. But kind of as I, as they were working on that, then I just kind of suddenly got to know producers at funnier die. Um, and then, so my first bunch of jobs, which went on for a while, um, with them were for a lot of branded gigs, which are a branded Branded sketches, which are basically sketches, but they're ads at the same time. Um, um, so basically, yeah. So for a while I wrote, you know, I'd pitch wacky Samsung TV selling sketches or whatever and stuff like that. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's a good, that's, I think that's a big way people get into paid comedy writing now is kind of, you know, you have to, in order for there to be a paying gig, there needs to be money there. Um, and so a lot of it is, you know, sort of branded stuff. Um, and sometimes it would be very heavily influenced by the brand. It would be, it'd be like, oh, this milkshake company wants to push their milkshakes too much. It's not going to be funny. But then sometimes you'd have just like a really funny sketch that would like have a little bit of something else. And that'd be a really kind of rewarding, fun experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how long were you kind of in charge of like the branded stuff? until you like moved on to other things um at funnier die i mostly wrote branded things um in terms of yeah like i wasn't i was never at funnier die i'd never really worked on just the like standard evergreen sketches um so it was kind of like as i was working there that i was also writing my other stuff um and uh so let me see so i guess i'm trying to think of any sort of Mm -hmm ordered away things happen but it's all just kind of this yeah, mash yeah. um basically i had also i had also been I, had, I basically i was on my own in addition to the brand stuff just kind of writing my own stuff and like pitching my own stuff and stuff like that you know um and and i got some work early on because i had been an assistant to um one of the writers on the simpsons um oh, okay. this guy mike price and uh he hooked me up with one of my very early writing gigs, which was for season two of Monsters vs. Aliens on Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. Um, which was great. It was super fun. I loved animation. Um, and what, what was that like working on that show? Well, it was short-lived oh, okay. because the way the production worked was they were writing and making season two before season one had even came, come out. Oh, okay. And so I started working there, started writing... I was getting, you know, I got some notes from like Nickelodeon, stuff like that. I had my first script all written and approved and psyched. And I was so psyched to see it animated because it was like my first thing to see. And then we found out that they were not going to renew it for a season two. Um, Yeah, which is funny. I mean, it's just that funny, weird Hollywood experience of like, I didn't write for season one. I had nothing to do with, you know, it's like the show got canceled. I take it personally as if I had anything to do with the thing that got canceled. Um but it it was like a great process still though because you know you're still getting you know notes and um and they really did you know it was writing a full a full big outline and getting that approved by like three layers of you know the showrunners and the Nickelodeon and the DreamWorks people um and so it was a good kind of uh, crash course and all that stuff yeah yeah did you find that they're looking for something specific like or... um yeah I think um. They were very, it was actually like a, it was a very funny show. I liked it, um, which is nice, but they, they were big on kind of, um, and I think this is obviously, I think a big thing in a lot of script writing, they liked the big like turn at the end where everything came together. Um, trying to think of an example of like, if like, you know, the character playing with a toy at the beginning 
like that loves this toy and then uh oh like at the end that toy is what saves them like that sort of i think they they really wanted it to be um and this is like a nice thing because i don't you know some shows are more about like funny wacky things just for 10 minutes or 22 minutes or whatever um but they did like to have just this yeah sort of like a story cohesion there i guess um and that was like a really fun thing to like play around with with like stupid goofy bob the blob and and uh the aliens and stuff like that um yeah but other than that it's like uh i mean kids kids stuff is fun like i do i've done a few like animated type things especially for kids and um the 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 first full script that i wrote i got one note like for one change and it was that they wanted me to have a character poop a rainbow and i thought that was a very fun note to get and i was like oh that's actually not you know like it's that's the one change they got and it kind of is like when there's things like that are like silly and weird and it feels like the pressure is kind of lifted because yeah. i'm like oh like these are kids that are just going to enjoy this like silly thing and obviously you want it to be good and funny but at the same time it felt like a little less pressure than even like being at ucb in front of a hundred like comedy fans who like want to do comedy and are watching and really like paying attention to stuff like that it kind of felt like a a load off to be like oh it's like silly kids so that was an like an executive who said uh, that there needs to be a pooping rainbow. Yeah, that was the I think it was the um the the showrunners. I think that was a oh, showrunners okay. note. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like, you know, this is good. This moment's good, but what if you pooped a rainbow? And I was like, yeah, sure. You can poop a rainbow. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, the one other thing um, I was just gonna say was because I just remembered like simultaneously like I do like animation a lot, um, and around that time also I kind of started fiddling around with my own animation. Oh, cool. Um, and that I I just basically figured out, I just drew up these like crude, crude drawings and figured out how to use Final Cut to sort of animate in a way that was super lo-fi, but sort of worked. Um, I guess I forgot, the one thing when I was a kid I did love was Adult Swim, too. And okay. so I kind of came up loving like that whole crude, like Aqua Teen Hunger Force through 12-ounce mouse, like all that stuff. Um, just kind of junky, weird, experimental animation. Um, and so that was kind of a, one of the first things I did was this cartoon I animated myself called Hamsters on Roller Skates. And it's just two hamsters on roller skates talking about just random ideas. And when I say random ideas, I literally, to write the little shorts that are like a minute, a minute and a half long, I literally looked up random words in a dictionary and was like, okay, I'll write a minute and a half on that. Um, and then I had my friend Jack Allison voice one of the hamsters. I voiced one of them. Um, so I made these short little episodes, which I then sold to uh, Friends Night, which is... Um, a production company that did a Fox 8 ADHD on okay. Saturday nights. Um, yeah. And so that was kind of a big first things and first thing in terms of like, Oh, taking my own and like finding my own voice and kind of doing it on my own sort of thing. So, so they, so they, what was that like working with them on, I guess, producing, did you ever produce a pilot for that or like a, no, I produced Basically it was, we were making, um, there were two short, like it was, it literally is just two black and white hamsters on uh-huh. roller skates standing. Um, and so there are these minute and a half things that um, they bought for to have for interstitials, like between oh, the bigger show. Yeah, like they'd have a 10-minute show, commercial, commercial, two hamsters show up and talk about Marley and me for a second, mm-hmm. commercial, commercial, go back. So basically, that was really nice because they didn't really have any notes for me. Like I kind of, you know, they gave me, you know, there was not a lot of money in it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like basically, yeah, they just said go off and just make 10 of these, um, 10 episodes of these short little things. Um, they let me record in kind of their little, like, you know, recording studio. But other than that, it was very nice and freeing just because then I was able to, like, kind of make them on my own and kind of have all the control on them. Yeah. Uh, back to Funny or Die. Yeah. When you would have, like, your own ideas, uh, how would you, like, pitch them to people? Um, I guess here's my – I guess I'd say – well, here's what I'd say. I – I feel like I took me it took me a little longer to really get that initiative to just send my idea to mm. someone, you know? Like and I think that's why I say like I worked on a lot of branded stuff. Um and it's kind of like later on I realized I was like, "Oh, I probably should have just like emailed this producer my idea." Um cuz later on I found out like, "Oh, people actually respond to that cuz you're excited about an idea and stuff like that." So the way you'd usually get an idea like the way the branded stuff would work was just more like for hire, they'd say like Irish Spring wants ideas about an action hero or something like that. And then I'd pitch a few ideas based on that. So it'd be very, like, structured and controlled. But otherwise, 
I think that's the thing that you just kind of have to learn is like, it's just so everything is so loose and open. Um, and it just was like a certain point, even like like a year or two ago when I just emailed one of the producers and was like, Hey man, I'd love to, I want to write for TV. If you have any projects kind of in that zone, like I would love to pitch on them and come in and meet with them. And they were like, Hey, yeah, come in for a meeting. And then I met with them and then I eventually got hired to work on a project almost like immediately after that for them. Um, so yeah, so it's just kind of like with them, it's just kind of like emailing kind of the people. It's it's best if you've worked for them. I mean, right, it's not yeah, good yeah. to just send blind emails everywhere, uh -huh. I should say. Um, but I I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of, it has to be earnest, I guess, mm -hmm. is kind of where it comes from. It it always, I think it's it's always worked. When I say it's like worked, it's always been when I go up to them and I'm like, here's something I like, and I think this would be good. It's never... It's rarely been like it's rarely worked to just be like I want I want to do something whatever you need I, I'll do it you know that sort of thing because it just feels like you're not your heart's not in it. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any favorite stories from working at Funny or Die? Oh, favorite stories? I don't know. I, I probably do have good. Stories. I'm trying to think of something. Um, one immediate one that comes to mind um, is I was wor I worked last year year and a half or two last Christmas. It's two Christmases ago. I worked on these sketches um, starring Mariah Carey. Okay. And Mariah was great, honestly. Like, she was very sweet to me, very nice. I was, we wrote and then I directed a bunch of these sketches starring her. And she was pretty great to deal with. Um, very sweet. Um, very, she would, every sketch, we, sh we shot like six or so holiday sketches. Every sketch, she would just come out in a different gown um, of her choosing. She would like disappear and come back in just a gown that we didn't ask her to change or anything. But there would be like gowns that were, when I say gowns, they're like you're going to the Oscars type of uh -huh. gowns. Um, and then she, and two little things, she loves Christmas. Like, so this is a holiday. She does, you know, she has Christmas albums and stuff uh -huh. like that. And I was like, oh, I guess she really does like Christmas. Like she, and they, were, they even told me like she does like Christmas. <laughs> um, and we did this really silly little sketch um, with uh, this guy, Brian Safi, who's on Throwing Shade. Okay. You know show. Um, super funny guy. And they were doing just a really stupid improvised basically sketch where they're making cookies christmas cookies and this was like a thrown together idea that was like we'll see if this works um but basically they were just like mashing together this gross cookie dough and then like supposed to talk about it as if this was like oh this is good this looks delicious this is great and i randomly had thrown out a little line to mariah i was like oh mariah can you just mash the cookies together and just say this is what christmas is all about and i was just like i don't know you know it's like it's the funniest line she just looks at me though and she's like maddie don't make me say that about Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you take this seriously. <laughs> she was like, no, nah, I wouldn't do it. Um, and then, and then when we were shooting, the funnier thing was at one point she got, she got ill. Basically she, she had a bed in, okay, where should I start with this? So in her green room, she had a bed. Um, I think she had us put the bed in there. I don't know. I don't know the whole details of how the bed got in there, but she had us have a bed in her green room. Um, and then the second day of shooting, she was not feeling well, um, and we had to record voices for for a little cartoon that we were going to do. We we're making a little animation. We just had to record voices. Um, and basically, she wasn't coming out of the room. We were supposed to record the voices. She wasn't coming out of the room. And then, like her, you know, the, her manager, I think it was, um, came in and was like, "Oh, can you go talk to Mariah in her, in her room?" We're like, "All right, we'll go talk to her. See how she's feeling. She's not feeling well." We go in, and Mariah Carey is still in a gorgeous gown, but tucked into a bed, lying in a bed, <laughs> like curled up on her side, like tucked up, just like on her side, <laughs> in a little in a little ball. Um, and she's just like, "We're like, oh, hey, are you not? Can you can you do this thing?" And she's like, "Oh, can we?" can we record it in the bed? Um, and we were like, you're Mariah Carey. I guess we can. Um, so we basically end up being me sitting at the side of the bed, holding a script, reading the other lines to Mariah Carey as the sound guy, um, like held a microphone over <laughs> Mariah Carey lying in this bed in a ball. Um, and so we recorded a bunch of these cartoons like that. And then of course, um, like one of our friends was there and took a picture and posted it to her Instagram. And then all of a sudden I'm like in a big picture with Mariah Carey on, in Je on Jezebel with a headline of like <laughs> normal person, Mariah Carey records in her bed. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's me. Um, yeah. So that was fun. Um, 
yeah, that was a that was a weird weird sort of surreal time with uh with Mariah Carey, who again, super nice, yeah, but yeah. just like oh yeah, she's <laughs> you you treat her like Mariah Carey, right? Yeah. Uh, so did you have you also worked on uh commercials, or is that just through Funny or Die stuff, or is that through their their company? No, um, so I direct commercials. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so two years ago, a while back, I basically. I had I had been writing and directed kind of branded content with Funny or Die, um, and a couple times I had written for like commercial, actual commercial sort of stuff because Funny or Die started in normal commercials. But then about two years ago, I'd kind of written and directed and worked in that space enough that I got I signed with like a production company that actually does straight up commercials. Um, so I've been doing that too, um, and for me like directing and writing just always feels so related. Like I always. You don't need to do both. I think it's sometimes it's great to have a different writer and different director and being on either side. It's helpful and stuff like that. Um, but directing has always been like something exciting for me to do and like a version of writing that's very different. It's the more visual version of writing or whatever. Um, so yeah, so for the past two years or so, I've been directing uh, like TV commercials. Um, and have you been coming, have you been writing the commercials, like coming up with the concepts? No. And that's, yeah, that's kind of it, commercials are a very different process. Uh -huh. Like they're very, it's definitely they they don't even try to act like it's the same world. There's a clear delineation, and and the process is is usually where the agency comes to you, um, and they have copywriters who work at the agency. They know ads, they do that stuff, um, and the way it kind of works for me as a director is we'll basically find out there's this job, and we'll get sent like a script. Um, the script that is, you know, it's whatever. Antonio Brown is a ghost and hangs over guy's shoulder. Or whatever. That's, that's the thing I shot last year. Um, oh, but wow. I, yeah, <laughs> but, but they get this thing, this idea, and and you get on a call with them and you kind of have to pitch your take on it and what you can do with it. And I think that's where, that's kind of where it is sort of writing in a way. Um, and that's, you know, there's a value in like the UCB, especially when you're like collaborating with people, is like you do have to, how can you sort of tweak and enhance their idea, but also embrace it. Because especially when it's when it's an agency giving you that, you have to assume that it's been approved by people, the client, like Buffalo Wild Wings has seen this and they want this. Like, don't give them some crazy, insane thing when they, they do want this, but how can you just like kind of give it a little bit of a spin, a little bit of your own personality? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it's kind of a nice process that they come to me with their idea. You know, they come to me what, with what the commercial is. And then it's just kind of up to, to me to say like, okay, how can we kind of shoot this and present this in a fun light and make mm -hmm. this make this idea work mm -hmm. how they want it to work? So uh, when you get like a commercial idea, I guess does it come to you as like a fully formed script? Yeah, basically, yeah, um, yeah. Basically, the the kind of the production co the company that I'm with they they send me like a, a treatment doc, okay. sort of what it is, and and in commercials they have a very you know it doesn't look like a normal script. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's not, yeah, not like a final draft type, like that sort of script. Um, but you, usually it's just like, you know, name, you know, colon, line, name, colon, line, like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then also like, usually there's pages saying like, this is what we want to do. Like this is, you know, Kmart really wants the family to come to the front this Valentine's day. Cause love is not just about, you know, they, they give you like the idea of what they're going for. And then, and then, but then, yeah, it is like line for line. It's pretty much a written script that you can change. Um, but but yeah, it's it's written. So what what do you look for when you get those? Like like how do you look, like what's like the key? Like is there like a list of things that you think when you get the script and like this is how you analyze it for directing? Um, I think honestly, I think uh, with a commercial, I guess the first thing I go for is, and this is because they're so short, and I think this sort of relates to to sketches in a way. But like a commercial is going to be sometimes fifteen seconds or mm -hmm. or thirty seconds tops. It's got to be so short, so it just needs a core idea that's clear, you know. I mean, yeah, it's you obviously want the core idea to be like funny or good and stuff like that. But I think like you need to initially like, especially for the position of a director who's going to have to answer to an agency, who's going to after answer to this big company that wants to sell their product, you do have to. If they're not telling you something clearly up front, like if they're not able to voice to you what they want in the first place, then it's that's like a big red flag for me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Just like. I don't, yeah, like I, and that's, that's what I kind of look for first. And usually there's, you know, something there. And so that's the first thing. And then beyond that, it's like, is this funny? Can I make this fun? Was this, you know, it's, it's commercials or it's not like anyone sits and, 
or most people don't like sit and like get excited to watch all the commercials yeah. but i do think you want it to be something that i'm like oh would i be like annoyed to watch this yeah, <laughs> for 30 yeah. seconds every now and then or would this be like an entertaining like light moment so d would you say that commercials have like a, a sort of game yeah i think they do mm -hmm. yeah um i think i think they i think kind of the best commercials do i think mm -hmm. it, like in that um I can't think of any examples, but I do think, yeah, it's like when, if you've been at like UCB, especially where like they teach game, mm -hmm. like you then see commercials and like sometimes a commercial will just break from the game and it doesn't work as well. Like right. it's almost like you see commercials that are trying to do too much. Like they're trying to do like a joke about this, joke about this, then like a random other joke. And then also this guy's wacky and it like makes for a confusing commercial. Like it doesn't sell the product as well as like if we just had this like one idea that like hit it hard. And obviously, you know, there's so little time that you don't necessarily get a lot of beats of that game. But, um, but yeah, I think I think centering it around like something like a game is is makes for a better commercial. Mm -hmm. do, do you enjoy uh, writing or like directing more? Um, it kind of just depends. I don't know. You know, it's I think they're both both really fun. Um, and they both kind of have their advantages. Um, and it's, it's so hard because like they're I'm. You know, there are times when you're like sitting there and you don't know what to write and it's like frustrating and I'm like, oh, that's not as fun. And then, but then other times when you are writing something and it's really exciting and you're getting something. And then at the same time, like directing's nice because it's very like social. You're working with a lot of people. You're kind of influencing a lot of things at once. But then there's also like a lot of stress and you're like freaking out because like you can't shoot this or you're running out of daylight or whatever. And it's just like this intense experience where you really feel the load of things on you. So I think they they kind of both have their, their advantages and disadvantages. Um, I, I would say almost like, like I like both, but I think someone's crazy if they want to write and direct everything. Mm. Or, you know, like I think sometimes it's great just to direct something that some yeah. other really smart person wrote and like to work with them and collaborate with them. And then other times it's really great to take, give your script to someone else who's going to do something really cool and awesome with it that you didn't expect. Um, so it all just kind of depends. Uh, so recently, you worked on uh, Our Fascinating Planet with yeah. Mishi Martin. Uh, how did how did that happen? Um, that happened basically. Um, I had found out basically that uh, Funnier Funnier Die produced it, mm -hmm. um, um, but there was it was kind of through an arm of Funnier Die that I hadn't really worked with before. But I just kind of found out through a friend that they were taking submissions for it, um, and I read it, and it was basically the uh, the pitch was sort of uh, it was very much it was Dimitri Martin. Um, doing sort of a, a, a cosmos parody or a nature documentary parody that was very much in the style of a type of show that I've come to love that they do a lot in, in England. If you've ever seen like Look Around You. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Look Around You or like Chris Morris is like Brass Eye and stuff like that. It, and there are these things that like there are a lot, fair number of them happen in England that are basically like twisted, strange versions of like news or science or something like that where like you know, it's a science show, but all the facts are wrong, sort of. So it kind of was something that I was a big fan of. And so then I just wrote up a document, um, kind of just doing my version of the jokes that I thought were funny. Um, yeah, and then, they, and then, you know, they called me in, they interviewed with Dimitri. Um, and then basically he called me shortly after and asked me to be the head writer on the show and kind of help him to figure out. He basically had, like, a really strong core idea, and obviously he has his point of view. Um, and then it was a matter of, like, how can we make this into, like, a coherent like 15 minute show that, mm -hmm. that, you know, it can't just be all these jokes in a row. Um, so, so that document that you did, was just jokes, just like jokes about science? Yeah, it was. And that's actually, I, I kind of usually am more of a script person. Like I usually like dialogue. Um, like a back and a back and forth is usually where I feel like I get to the better jokes that I write. But then, um, but for that one, yeah, it was basically this, the, the nice thing about this one is, it had like a very specific thing they wanted. Like it was like write a write a. I want to say half. It was basically like a half page monologue, set to um, set to some nature footage, and then it was like, I forget like maybe twenty one liner jokes, um, and I think something else, but I'm forgetting. But it was basically like that, like sort of thing, like just a few pages written up in in Word, um, just with like the best jokes you can do, um, yeah. I, I read somewhere that the original plan was to take like existing footage and mm -hmm. then write jokes upon that, but then there was like too much footage to deal with. 
it was an interesting process. It was yeah. kind of just a very, it, it took a long time, honestly. It took, it was, it was, it was kind of like going in. I think the idea was like, this will be easy. We'll just write some funny things set to this. Um, but it's, it was kind of, as you watch that, you kind of learn like, oh, this needs sort of something more to it. This needs, you know, like it, it can't just be showing a frog and then saying silly things about this frog. Yeah. Cause it, I think you really just drone out. Um, so basically we, yeah, we kept on working and we kind of came to the, the idea that, that this was an essay was sort of where we landed mm. for an episode, um, that, that each, that each episode couldn't just be, it couldn't, we had like, you know, space, but it couldn't just be 200 jokes in a row about space. It had to, you know, to very, not at the huge extent, it just had to be a, some idea about space. It was like, where, what is our place in the universe? And it, and it kind of came to what I think makes parodies better. Whereas at a certain point, I feel like we were actually like two ticks away from just writing an actual nature show, you know, mm. like we actually were looking at like real space documentaries and like exploring, Oh, let's actually explore this idea. Let's look at how this actually is before we just write like silly jokes that sound like the thing. I think we kind of had to do the thing. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, so did you did you watch like nature shows? To, oh like, yeah. yeah, yeah. We watched a lot of nature shows. We, yeah, I, there were just a lot of days of sitting through. Yeah, all these kind of silly, like just anything. Like, YouTube, I just yeah, YouTube for like the a solid like first week was just sitting on YouTube watching all these things. We watched Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Um, we watched some of Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos, um, and just like any. Yeah, any little thing we could pull. Yeah, the best research was just a weird thing BBC made once that's now on YouTube. Oh, and yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. So did you, you watch that all as like a whole writer's room together? Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, we had um, yeah, so we had uh, three other writers that we were working with, Susie Barrett, uh, Matt Donahue, and Ian Somerville, um, all very funny people. Um, and we would – it was kind of like a mix. You know, we were all kind of sitting in the room together, and, and sometimes it would be like, okay, guys, we need ten jokes about this. And then it'll be on your own. But then I think, you know, I think almost every writer's room eventually turns into this where like after like 30 minutes, someone's like kind of bored and goes on the internet and it's like, oh, hey guys, look at this, you know, right. and then shows that sort of video. So, you know, it's not like we had like a scheduled three hours of watching, you know, whatever space, like whatever documentary MIT made about black holes or whatever. But just every now and then naturally sort of someone would be like, oh, here's this thing. Like we could look at this and see if there's something to do on this sort of thing. And what were your responsibilities as like a head writer? Um, I think there was a lot of kind of keeping things organized, um, sort of like keeping track of what was coming in. You know, I guess I, I guess like I sort of gave assignments in that. Like I kind of was like Dimitri's go go between the writers in terms of I'd be like, okay, guys, can you give us like this, 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 this? Why don't you do this? Um, it kind of varied a bit, um, and and then and so it was like a lot of like just delegating and like distributing duties, and then if we got something, um, if like a script came in, sometimes it would just be kind of like, how can I take this thirty second bit and then fit it into the bigger script and kind of assemble the bigger the bigger sort of script. Um, but that said, the writers did a lot on their own too, um, and would write like full full huge chunks of ch uh, scripts that we would then get into and stuff like that. Um, and then part of it was just after, after kind of, we, we had kind of closed the writing room once we got into the edit, um, then, then I stayed behind and then would just kind of sit there with Dimitri and the editor, mm -hmm. um, just kind of like hacking away and editing it just because of the way this show was, it was like a very figuring it out as yeah. we go sort of process. And how was it to work with uh, Dimitri Martin? Dimitri was cool. It's, it's interesting. He's a standup mm -hmm. and I think standups have a very specific sensibility you know like stand-ups are used to being one person writing their own thing and um and dimitri has a very like unique sensibility yes, on top yeah, of that he does yeah he's a very very funny guy and he's very very quick and good at coming up with things on the fly which is nice because then i didn't have to pretend to laugh at things yeah. much um but um but yeah it was it was kind of like an interesting process that i wouldn't say was super difficult um but it was it was like i had it was like you have to like keep in mind who you're writing you know, and that and that was sometimes also what I would have to do um, with the other writers was then like they'd take a they'd write a really really funny bit that would be like oh this would be really funny if they were saying it and then I'd have to be like okay how can I kind of make this 
funny if Dimitri was saying it, right? You know, because he's saying ev- literally everything in the show is it's his voice, uh-huh. whether he's saying it in person or voiceover. Um, so it's just gonna be something you get accustomed to, and I think it helped that like I I think you know I like his sensibility, like it has this kind of like absurd absurd intelligence thing that I like. So so yeah, it's not hard, but it is it is very different from like you know when you're taking like a sketch or a script of your own. Mm-hmm. that's just yours and you're writing for like what you think is funny in your voice um and yeah and this was kind of like there's just this extra step of like okay now how's it how do we make it a dimitri thing right yeah. uh are there any plans to do another season i don't know i haven't actually heard yet um we talked about it. i'm not really sure exactly I, ha- I haven't heard anything um i'm no i know dimitri i think would be be game um and we were very happy with the way it turned out mm-hmm. but uh right now i'm not sure exactly what the status is so you have another show yes. that you created, uh, Tales of Titans, yeah, on the, the same Go ninety platform. Yeah, I love that Go ninety. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did. Uh, they also did. Uh, besides that, they did Tween Fest as well. So yes, uh, Tween Fest is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So they're yeah they yeah that's been kind of part of yeah Funnier Dies had this sort of deal with them where they've been producing shows for them. Um, and I think they've all turned out. I mean, I've worked on two of them, so I guess yeah. Those, Stuff. But I, I do think they've all turned out well, and I've been psyched about them, and, you know, like Tweenfest. I love. Um, and, and, yeah, so then Tales of Titans came around, and that was basically I, I co-created that with this writer, Nick Weiger. Um, basically, it's about an eSports team. Um, and, base, and, you know, kind of the basis of that was, like, Nick and I have both, you know, are video game guys. You know, Nick even worked, used to, like, worked at a couple of video game companies way back, or one video game company. And I just grew up always playing, and I've always wanted to do – I think it's, you know, like, I think when you're a writer, you want to do something about the things you like. And it's like video games are something that are tough to write about um, just because they're their own medium of their own. Um, so then esports kind of was coming up and that's something that I kind of got interested in. And and yeah, and so we just basically pitched in the show um, to Funny or Die and then to Go 90 um, and, and they picked it up. Um, yeah, and that's and and so that was what we shot. We shot it's we shot it last you know fall, um, and it uh, came it debuted March tenth I want to say, mm-hmm. and right now it's on Go ninety, and so I think they're on like the sixth episode now. How, how many episodes are there total? Um, eight total. Okay, eight total episodes. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, and that's been a really good process because it's it, it's you know I think that's the reason why places like Go ninety are nice is because you know they don't have the budget of you know nbc or something like that but they still have a solid budget and you and you get really great people to work on it and it's a great kind of show experience and for me it was nice to be it was kind of like a showrunner position that felt like there wasn't a ton of stress because it's on you know because it isn't (laughs) there aren't going to be ads on fx for this show so it's not gonna be huge scene everywhere um but we still like we're given the opportunity to try to make the show we thought was funny and do and do the best we could and we came out with a, a real great cast um, that I was psyched about. We had uh, Jason Ritter is the star of it, and he's an incredibly funny guy. Um, and also going in, we were terrified because eSports is very young. So we had, you know, like I know a lot of UCB people and stuff who are a little bit of older, um, but we really wanted to have like authentic, like like 18 to 20 year olds is like the age of the kids who play it. Um, and so we kind of looked around and we ended up with just a bunch of great young actors. Um, partly through luck we did like auditions but like it was a really great group of like carrie wampler uh your name like kai chan uh ej thomas and uh uh, Ilya constantine um ended up being like our main team and i think we were afraid because we were like what are we gonna get with like these people we don't really know and haven't worked a ton with um but they were just awesome um and then also we have a john sally who's a uh, former nba player um and he was on like the best damn sports show and stuff like that. And he plays sort of a basketball player, kind of a twisted version of himself. Um, and so it was a really great group. Uh, how how did your partnership with uh, Nick Weiger work? Um, Weiger, I have known for years. Um, like I said, like he was my first coach at, at UCB, um, and then just kind of always been around him. I love the guy. He's 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 a friend of mine, and so we. We hadn't worked a ton together. I th- I'm trying to think of even if we had really at all nothing like a paid job. You know, we'd worked on shows sort of like he coached on a team. And then like every now and then there'd be like a show at UCB that we'd both be involved with or something like that. Um, but really we hadn't worked together until this. Um, 
and basically the way it came out was like I knew he was a fan of it, and I was talking to Funny or Die about it, and I was like, like Weiger's a big Weiger's a fan of like Hearthstone, uh, was his big thing. Like Weiger would text me like, oh, he's cl- this guy's cleaning up in the Hearthstone tournament. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, so basically, yeah, they were Funny. I was like, yeah, and you guys, if you get like Nick on board, you guys should come in with something. And so then just kind of like sat down with him. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just like a fun process of just like us sending a document back and forth, um, talking out sort of ideas. Um, and then when we got to, when I got greenlit, um, we basically, we split up, we had eight episodes and we basically split up four scripts each. Um, we, we, and then before that we kind of beat, beat, beated it out, you know, into outlines, kind of like the standard way you do that. Um, and we had like a little bit of a writer's room come in. Um, it's kind of thing like I wish we had could have brought them on for more days, but we had like a great small staff kind of come in to kind of pitch ideas and stuff like that. But then just basically Nick and I went off on our own, wrote our own scripts, sent them to each other, kind of just went back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it's it helped that Weiger and I have known each other for so long in that like, I don't know, I feel like we could be fairly honest with each other yeah. <laughs> about about this and that and ultimately like each script belonged to the person who wrote it um if we like disagreed on something enough or something like that i mean neither of us is the person to really get into like a big fight or anything (laughs) like that um yeah so that's kind of the way it worked out um yeah so would you say like on his scripts were like the biggest changes because you already had you you did the beats the outlines together yeah. So, like, the big changes would be, like, kind of, like, jokes, right? Yeah, mostly, like, jokes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and just, yeah, like, little tweaks to, like, this line here, here, here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, going through. Yeah, a, a lot of I, – I would say a lot of the passes, especially because once, you know, we we once we'd agreed on the characters, yeah, like you said, and the, and the stories and everything, yeah, really a lot of the, the passes would be just a joke pass. Mm-hmm. It'd be like he'd, I'd send it to him and he'd add a joke here, add a joke here, or whatever. Yeah. He'd send it to me, add it. Yeah. So that, that sort of thing. Um never it would never be like a major beat change right um if we had something like that that would be like talked about beforehand mm-hmm. but but even that was not a yeah not not something we'd handle like on the sending back and forth sort of thing mm-hmm. so you went from being a head writer to a creator so is that like a huge leap um <laughs> that's funny with these go 90 shows um uh it's i'd say yeah i i i because I think, yeah, handwriter, like, I felt like I was in, I had some amount of, like, kind of control and direction. And I, it felt like I had a little bit of power as handwriter, I guess. It's hard to describe because, like, handwriter is not, like, is the biggest, most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but as, as, like, a creator, there was, like, a like an ownership of it. Um, like, it, like, when I was, you know, I was writing for Dimitri, like, it was still, like, it was Dimitri's show. So it's, you know one thing is he you know he gets the last say obviously but also we're trying to write for him whereas on tales of titans it was like we're yeah it's we're writing for what we think is a funny thing um which is difficult i mean there's there's much more pressure there it's nice because you are like i guess i get final say Mm -hmm. but at the same time um it's also like oh shit like this whatever this show is reflects on me directly you know in a certain way Um, so there's a pressure there, but that's that's kind of the fun of it, I guess. Right, yeah. yeah. So, w- what do you think makes a good like web series? I don't know. That's hard. Mm-hmm. I feel like well, it's hard because it's like what makes a good web series versus what makes like a web series that's going to get tweeted about or what's you I know see, like yeah. that sort of thing. Um, I guess I'm sort of an old fogey in certain ways, in that I I just. I want it to be like a good entertaining story sort mm-hmm. of um, that isn't necessarily the most watched thing, you know, so like a lot, you know, I've you know also like worked in the past at, you know, I worked at like maker studios briefly and stuff like that, that are more like internet focused things. And those like do try to hit on certain buzzwords and they do try to engage the kids <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so that makes like a, that makes a successful web series, I think, you know, but um but really, like, a thing like Tales of Titans or A Fascinating Planet, like, my goal was to kind of make something I'd want to watch. Like, it's kind of this silly simplification of it. But, but like, the, the you know, the scripts for Tales of Titans in particular, um, Nick and I were just approaching them like a show, you know? We just wanted to write, you know, the episodes are, are shorter. They're about 15 minutes each. Um, but we really just wanted, like, to write a good script with a with sort of a story. I think that was our main difficulty. 
um, with Tales of Titans was just um, was making it not just 15 minutes of jokes, but having, you know, a little bit like a story there, having having the characters actually go on a journey and actually have relationships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty happy with where, where we where we ended up. Um, you know, it's it's I, I, you know, I like the I like the show. It's it's hard to say, like, if that's the sort of thing that's going to engage a young viewership as much as, you know, more of like a talking head type show or, you know, that sort of thing that is very popular on YouTube and stuff. Um, but I, but to me, that's kind of what makes maybe a, a good web series yeah. is just being entertaining. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up yeah. with you <laughs> giving your thoughts on some sketch ideas. Here. Oh, right. Right, right. All right, yeah. My favorite segment. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is worded badly, but a rock star who has sex with his fans <laughs> in order to get them to buy his music. So he's like, he's he's not like having sex with them because they love his music, but he's like having sex with them and trying to get them to be fans of his music. To be fans of his music. Yeah. It feels... I feel like it needs to go further. I feel okay. like it, I've heard the phrase stepping it out is my, is my initial thought. Cause I think, so he's having sex with them. So they'll buy his music. Mm-hmm. Is he, I, I kind of want to know more. I, I mean, do you have any, any pictures for in what way that plays out? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking he'll try, he'll just, like plug his like, uh, SoundCloud or something while he's having sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fun. There's a, there's, yeah, it feels like it's not quite, it needs a little bit more to it. Because okay. it almost feels too, it almost feels real. Like I almost would believe it, mm-hmm. I guess, is what I'm saying. Okay. And that uh, I would see the sketch, I would see, I would see the, a rock star actually doing that. Yeah. Like he'd want you to like, he'd want them to like his music. I see. So I'm mean. trying to think yeah. if he's like trying to like get them to like sign up on Spotify for him or something. Yeah, like, I think it's like really a, getting into it. It's more like desperate than that it's like this is the reason why he's having the sex it's not like a byproduct or anything i don't know i don't need i don't need to fight for this one that much <laughs> uh oh you're gonna love the rest of these then um dad uh a dad gives his kid a, a taxidermy dog mm-hmm. instead of a real dog these are very similar pitches like this is a flipping <laughs> it uh so I guess that that'd be like part of the game. I guess that'd be a game move mm. of something. Trying to well, I, well, here's what else. I mean, honestly, yeah. I'll say going in. Yeah. I, I when I, especially because I'm this is me relating my experience like directing the get go. I love to see something written out like a full script. Oh, okay. I mean, it's, sorry to dump. I love seeing a full script because like I. I, I sometimes think like the idea like play you know I like to see what the writer is going for with it to see where it's going so that's just, sorry that's why I'm just might take a minute with some of these no that's that's a yeah. good point no I mean it's no I think this is a fun good idea and this is honestly how most writers rooms work mm-hmm. um so it's it's it, this is a good one I like this um gives the dog I would ask why is the dad giving him the dog I I feel like there's a I feel like there's a game more in why the dad's doing it. I was thinking because he doesn't think he's responsible enough, but that's maybe too real. Or is no, that... I think I think that no, I think that's a more interesting thing. I kind of uh-huh. think there's I. I like the idea of like exploring that dad who just doesn't trust his dad, his kid with anything. Yeah. Uh, so that seems like a fun way to go, um, okay. especially if it's like, son, I know you really wanted this dog for so long, and then, yeah, if it's really earnest, I guess is where I'd yeah. say is that going? If the dad really is like. Here's what you always wanted, son. Yeah. Here's that puppy. It's just this lousy taxidermy dog. Yeah. yeah, I think you would. I think like that feels like a first beat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Okay. A late night show where the host is trying to figure out who killed his wife. <laughs> so that's like the whole conceit of the show. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. He's just searching for the killers. Yeah, I think that's that's a really I think that's a fun idea. I think that well that that's like I think I don't know. I mean I guess I, I the reason why I, I think I gravitate towards that one is I like that I can like I don't know if I have a good pitch for him, but like I can see like the different segments and beats of that. Like there's it's kinda nice 
yeah, I, I like to, the two things I like about it is like, one, it has the talk show structure, right? which is like, okay, then I can see what that plays out as. And that's a simple thing. But I also like that, like that, yeah, I like the, uh, the host having that, um, his, I can see the, the host's perspective, I guess, mm-hmm. in that, you know, like I can see this like desperate man, like trying to find this out. Yeah. Um, I like that. What are you, what kind of notes are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, these are this is I great. feel like a douchebag. No, no, these <laughs> are great. These are great. This is honestly the the toughest segment because I don't know <laughs> what part of it too is. I'd love to bring in a full script, but I don't know how to like. If I, oh yeah, I'm just like, sitting there reading it, and I don't want to make someone else read a no. script. So no, this like, is my. I like that though. I like the talk show host who's. <laughs> so is the premise of the show? Is it the premise of the show? That's or what is I was it like thinking. a talk show that he happens to have his wife murdered. That's interesting. That'd be kind of cool if it was like a soft talk show, and then it just like this just happened. Uh, it just does. Yeah, nice. I like that. It's kind of interesting. Trying to think about. I don't know what it could work both ways, I think. Because uh-huh. that said, I do think, I think like it is very funny if a sketch can start at like ten or whatever. Right. You know, like because you can start off with like, "Hey, we're back. It's Thursday after two months of this show where I've been trying to find who killed my wife." Mm-hmm. I like it there. I think I think the best sketches, yeah, don't yeah, they start a little bit in. And I think that can Okay, yeah. Really wrap up. Thanks about that one. All right, yeah, that, that yeah. Thanks for uh thanks for coming out. Oh, thanks so much for having uh, me. Uh, you, you wanna plug uh Tale of Titans. Oh yeah, yeah. Tales, Tales of Titans. Titans. Tales of Titans. Check it out on Go ninety. Um you can see it, you can download the Go ninety app if you want to watch it on your phone. You can watch it on go ninety dot com on your browser, which is much bigger and will look nicer, so I recommend that. Um, episodes are coming up every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, yeah, just search for Tales of Titans. Um, and I hope you enjoy. All right, thanks for coming out. Great, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. I want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet tunes and Zachary Glassman for providing the awesome logo. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at On Comedy Writing. Thank you. Thank you.